Hey, you want to watch some TV or something? Skip it. Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? Nothing but foul language and toilet humor. I'm disgusted and repulsed and and I can't look away. I need these things! I need these things! This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Hello, friends and listeners. You have Watch Skip Plus in your ears. I am Cupcake with my co-host, Justin, the Cinemasochist, also known as Justin the Red. Um, we are a uh, movie review podcast with a lifestyle twist. I'm almost forgetting the intro. What's wrong with me? Oh, you've <laughs> got it so far. I'm liking this. <laughs> that twist being before we review a new streaming or theatrical film, each one of us has a plus, and that could be anything that's stuck with us that we can't let go of uh, since the last recording. It can be anything, a movie review, a television show, a news item, whatever we feel like doing. And speaking of red in my ledger, like Black Widow, <laughs> Justin, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. I, I like starting out just saying you've got Watch Get Plus in your ears. We, we kind of do that sometimes on our social media, but not on the show. That might be, I might start the show like that now too. I like it. We do, we like it. I like it. Uh, we are reviewing today Missing. Uh, which is a new screen life thriller starring Storm Reed and directed by uh, a pair of gentlemen, Will Merrick and Nicholas Johnson. But before we do that, we do have a guest to introduce. I had not been familiar with EF Contentment or Exiled from Contentment, as his blog was called. However, I'd stumbled upon his posts on Instagram, his movie reviews, and there was a part of me that really took to his writing style for his movie reviews, so much so that it sounded so much like our friend Randy, who Justin and I have in common. <laughs> in fact, I thought that it was Randy, and I, you know, Justin knows this, I had been asking Randy to do a podcast for years and years and years, and he was like, ah, the, the mic being forefront is not for me. And then I was reading EF Contentment's reviews, and I'm like, that son of a bitch started a blog without me. <laughs> um, and I, I went on to his blog and, and listened to some of his uh, podcast episodes as well. And so we have on our show today the EF Contentment. EF, how are you doing? Introduce yourselves to our list, er, yourself to our listeners, multiple people. Uh. Howdy, 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 everybody. Um, actually, I, I want to uh, introduce Randy. Get over here. No, <laughs> it's all that would have been the ultimate reveal. I would have lost my mind. I was the, Randy's hands. He's just like telling me everything and I'm typing it all out. It's all this long, this long con. Uh, but I'm doing very well. Right. I, I'm doing very well. I'm, I'm actually very happy and nervous to be here. The nervous thing is normal, it'll go away, but also just happy to have been invited to join you guys to talk about this film. Yeah. Uh, when did you start? Uh, when did you start your blog? 
uh, podcasting, etc. Um, the uh, blog started in man, I'm going to get depressed now. 2008. Um, wow. It, it actually started. Uh, it was just a thing that like I was unemployed at the time and had a lot of time on my hands, and I just thought, you know what? Uh, I was actually reading someone else's blog, uh, this uh, lady named Kathy. I'm going to go ahead and just shout her out, Kathy Horlick-Wilson. And um, she had a blog that uh, it's not around anymore, unfortunately, but she just wrote about going to movies in L.A., like going to the American Cinematheque, going to New Beverly. And the way she wrote about it, I was like, oh, I can do that, you know, while I'm hiding out here in my, in my shack, you know, not talking <laughs> to anybody. So I just started writing these posts about movies that I watched at home or going to the theater. And they really are just semi-private or semi-public uh, diary entries, you know, that I share with friends. And if anybody else runs into them, then great, you know. And that's why they're mostly just rants that happen to be about also movies that I watched and also just why people upset me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I personally love reading them. I can't even remember how I stumbled upon it. I mean, probably mutual friends in our communities. But I know I think it was Facebook first and then Instagram. And it's, it's always a nice thing to see because, like Jose said, a lot of times it's very similar to our feelings, or even if it's not, I just love the way you write and rant. It's very enjoyable. Uh, thank yeah. you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And um, I, the, the, I didn't answer the second part. The podcast didn't start until yes. a, few, you know, a few years ago because uh, a friend of mine just happened to casually mention, like, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have time to read it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, and then he's talking about all these podcasts he listens to. And I'm like, oh, you know what? Maybe I should just join everybody else and actually make a podcast out of these blogs. I prefer to write these things, but, you know, I read them. So that's what the podcast is for anybody listening. Um, the podcast is just a blog, in a, except I'm reading it, you know. That's what it is, because people are too lazy to read nowadays. <laughs> that's why I only do, like, two to three sentences on my social media. I'm like, this is quick. People can see it real quick, and then... Ah, uh, the capsule review, baby. Yeah, that's kind oh, of I love. I love Justin's capsule reviews. I mean, he just gets to the point, you know, whether yeah. he likes it, doesn't like it, and I read that, you know. Yeah. I skip the ones if I haven't seen it yet, because that's how much of a non-spoiler freak yeah. I am. Yeah, I try to be as non-spoilery as possible. Uh, doing just two to three sentences makes it easier. I used to write full-fledged reviews, and it would be hard to determine. I mean, a film like Missing would be hard for me to go, all right, well, what can I talk about not talk about without it being spoilers? But as we're going to get to when we start talking about it. But are yeah, you, uh, EF, are, you part of, are you part of the uh, Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema? Are you on that Facebook page? I follow them on uh, Facebook. Yeah. Uh, Excellent. Every once in a while, pop up and um, the uh, the samurai is a, a friend, a Facebook friend. Um, Excellent. So I, I, every once in a while, I see it'll show like what he's watching. You know, I think, I'm trying to remember what he watched recently. He watched something recently that I watched, but now I can't remember. No. <laughs> my, my, my head's just swimming with like, don't. Don't say anything stupider than usual. Don't say anything stupider than usual. Just stupid oh, enough no. to go with you. Yeah. Have you heard some of the stuff we've said? Oh, I know. All, it's, very, it's all fine here. Yeah, but it's okay because you guys are saying it. <laughs> I love to be in the position of judging others, not to yeah. be judged. That, that is, is a, a very good thing. point. Then suddenly I'm point. the nicest guy in the world. Please don't judge me. Please. Oh, you're so great. <laughs> so, EF, I'm going to put you on the spot. Before we maybe get to your plus, and then and then we'll do some of those. So the reason why I'm going to put you on the spot is last year, 
the one movie, whether it was streaming, whether you saw it theatrical, whether you watched it for the first time ever last year, what was the, what's the one movie you could recommend from 2022? As far as, well, to recommend that's tough because I, I'm, I, everybody has different tastes. So it's weird for me to, cause I can think right now when you were talking, I'm like, Oh, well, I know what my favorite movie of last year was, what but was I it? don't know if it's everybody's cup of tea. Um, crimes of the future. David. Cronenberg's Ooh. Film. Ooh. Very nice. Haven't yeah. seen it yet, but, uh, since Brandon's new film is coming out soon, it is on the watch pile for this week. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is on Hulu. It is yes. on Hulu. What did you, what did you like about it? Just really quickly. I think it's pretty much what I like about all of Cronenberg's other films, where they don't feel like any other film. They're, they really are distinctly one man's vision. And he's one of the few filmmakers. I mean, he's one of my favorite filmmakers. If I have to, at the top of my head, I'd be like, you know, David Cronenberg and Terrence Malick and Walter Hill. Like, those are the immediate ones that come up. Wow, right now. I've liked every three. single one of their films, including Walter Hill. That means I like the assignment. Uh, <laughs> no. means, you know, everybody else is like, really? I'm like, yeah, maybe I simp for the guy, but hey, I love his style. Um, but Cronenberg, uh, every one of his films, I've at the very least liked, you know? And yeah, every time with his films, they, they, they really just, it really does feel like you're in this other world. There's nothing there that feels derivative of another filmmaker or style. And maybe, I don't know, maybe some of the undercurrents, maybe some of the subtexts uh, connect with me in some way that even I'm not sure about. You know, I have to go see a therapist and find out. No. But, uh, but yeah, I just, I really love them. I saw uh, uh, Crimes like three times last year. And, uh, wow. I, I, and, and, it's, and I'll watch it many more times. I, that, that was definitely my favorite movie. I, I, so I guess the only way I could recommend that movie is like, hey man, if you just want to see something that like, I really liked uh, Go See Crimes of the Future. Yeah. You know, what struck me about that movie was not only was it like dystopian and fetishistic and mirrored some of the issues we have in society with like substance abuse and and stuff like that, but it also struck me as very uh, uh, environmental and very like, you know, if we don't save our world, this is maybe where we're headed. Um, and I just thought the, the not to spoil it, but just the idea of we of humans becoming almost a part of recycling was amazing. I, I thought that was absolute that and the whole sexist surgery angle, which I, I dug. And 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 the fact that you came to that conclusion, what I love about that is his work is so open to interpretation. Where, like I I, I agree with you, and I feel the way he does it though is without giving anything away is like he's not being preachy he's he's just kind of it's almost like he's stating and again like uh walking on on spoiler eggshells here it's like he's saying look this is how things are going like we have to um evolve to this for good or for bad because this is what we've done you know what i mean like this is what we've done to the environment and so However you feel about the way we evolved to deal with it, um, it doesn't matter. We just have to do this. <laughs> I mean, this is just how it's going to be, you know? It's yeah. like, and again, I think people who've seen it get what I'm saying. And other people are like, what the hell are you talking about? Which is, you know, yes. that, that's, I'm used to that. I'm used to people telling me that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, it's so open interpretation. There's also like, after I watched the movie, I looked up uh, uh, this interview with him where, because people were asking him also about like, um, is this movie also about like, uh, transgender people you know stuff mm. like that and he was like 
When I wrote it, no. But that is totally valid. And watching it again, thinking about that, I'm like, oh, yeah, you could totally see that. that j- the yeah. idea of you realize you have to live a different way, you know, I'm quoting that different compared to the norm, in order to survive. And yet there is this status quo that would rather you don't. And if, and maybe you shouldn't exist either. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. again, walking on spoiler eggshells, but he was like, yeah, that's totally valid because it really comes down to how you, what you do with your body and how you live your life, provided you not hurt anybody else. And he said, so it's totally valid. So if that's how you see it, then absolutely see it that way. It's so, fantastic. He, and the, the body modification is great. I know, I know. Oh, Justin, yeah, you need yeah. to see this. I, I see definitely, this. I can't wait to see it. I, <laughs> I missed it because I only played for like a week in one of the theaters, not too far from me. I just couldn't make it. And it's just been every time I'm like, I'll watch it. So if I wasn't already having him planned this week because of Infinity Pool coming out, his son's next film, I would, this would have done it for me because uh, I'm similar. Even if Cronenberg, some of his films don't always maybe connect on the first watch. I can remember Cosmopolis didn't hit with me the first watch. It stuck with me and it grew on me. And to your point, I I think what I like, even when his films have a message is it's more, he's just presenting the characters in the story and allowing you like to your point, not preaching, allow you to come to those conclusions. And I love the fact that here he's saying, Hey, my intention wasn't to make a commentary on transgender, but instead of going, well, since it wasn't my intent, that's not what the film about. He's like, no, that could easily be what the film is about because that's one of the beautiful things about art. And I think his style complements that and allows that to happen. Yeah, sweet. I, I, I look forward to when you watch it and I see your thumbs down capsule review. On <laughs> <Instagram>. <laughs> Hopefully not. Usually for his films are usually a thumbs up. So we'll see. Uh, okay. So we've got some pluses. EF, uh, you are our guest. So uh, why not start? So my plus is not a movie or a TV show. And I'll preface my plus with this. Um, I'm a member of the AMC Stubbs A-List program, and I know you, uh, Jose, and, and Justin are Regal Unlimited guys, you know? So I only occasionally go to a Regal uh, for schedule reasons, or maybe the movie's only playing there. Um, in the past year, I've gone to a Regal about a handful of times. Most recently, it was for Skinamarink. And um, I want to say this to my fellow A-listers at AMC. If any of you complain about having to sit through our queen of AMC, Nicole Kidman's intro, extolling the virtues of going to see a movie at the AMC, never mind that you are at an AMC already, I will have to invite you to the Regal to inflict upon you the Regal's pre-movie intro. (laughs) I could tell where this was going, and I am thanking you so much. (laughs) For those who are not familiar with this thing, Various employees and customers speak (laughs) only in the most random of movie quotes. And I would be fine with that if the quotes didn't feel like they've been picked five minutes before they shot it. And they were like, "Uh, uh, this line is close enough to what's going on. It's just something, something that that that'll kind of sort of fit. You know, it never fails to bring out the douche chills in me. And uh, (laughs) The people at Regal are such cold-blooded fucks that they they show themselves to be sadistic as well. Because while the viewer is drowning in all this cringe, they they, they give us a brief gasp of oxygen in the form of an appearance by Danny Trejo. You know, who, not too coincidentally, 
is the best thing in that thing. You know, he's 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 actually he delivers the line very well, and it's actually a line that fits perfectly with that moment. Uh, uh, I knew it was you, Fredo. You know, he's talking to his daughter about drinking all his soda, but whatever, uh, it works. <laughs> but then after him, it's back into the murky depths. Hey, you guys. That's going to leave a mark. She's beauty and she's grace. And I'm trying to remember all the other ones. You can't Uh, sit with us. You can't sit with us. So I've got that going for me. It's a satchel. Yeah, I got that. Oh, man. What what do you have going for you? That you're working at Regal? I'm trying to fit that line with that yeah, moment. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't other. make any sense, people. <laughs> it's, and so, it's so frustrating. My plus is you and Justin the and the rest of the poor, brave, and strong souls <laughs> who have to sit through that intro every single time you go to see a movie at Regal Cinemas. That's my plus. <laughs> Thank you for that. Because I can't remember if I brought it up on the show, but Jose and I, whether we, we saw have. a movie together at Regal or just personally, and I've messaged Randy. I remember I messaged Randy back in the summer. I said, I just see this fucking Regal thing one more damn time. <laughs> and then I got pissed because the one time I felt like they, they must have accidentally skipped it and went to the uh, Regal Unlimited, like where it's the, hey, you know, you can see this. And then played it after that. So I was like, oh, my God, are we just getting rid of it? And then yeah. they're like, no, it's still here. I've only been to an AMC on occasion. So, yes, I know I've only sat through the Nicole Kidman thing once or twice. But I'll take that a million times over than this. I, I hate this so much. It feels like it's longer each time I watch it, even though I know it's the same length. And it's not like I can skip it because I've gone to Regal enough that I know I can time it. And I usually have a good 20 to 25 minutes after. I usually go with 20 where then showtime starts when it actually starts. So it says 10 p.m. If I get there at 1020, I'm fine. Right, right. But that is the second to last thing that they play right before the movie. So the only time I've lucked out was when I went and saw Smile because I walked in right as it ended. And I'm like, I wish I could do this every single time. <laughs> oh, you walked in right when they said this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. friendship yeah, and I was <laughs> like, the only time I've liked you saying that quote was me coming and only hearing that. <laughs> Even on the Fathom events, I think they show it. Oh, wow. I feel like they, oh, they that's merciless. I, I feel like they did with Shin Ultraman. Maybe I'll message uh, Jason because he went there. Maybe I'm just, you know, forcing that into my own head, but I, I can't stand it. It takes quotes that are fine out of context in context just makes me hate them with a passion. Like you the Hey, you guys has almost made me hate the Goonies now just because I'm associating it with that annoying delivery. Ugh, it's, it's the worst. I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. One, I do hate it as well. I absolutely hate it. But I'm not going to lie. I think it's clever how the people who deliver it, they are costumed in the spirit of the film that they are yes. you know, talking about. So the woman comes in. It's all happening. Almost famous. Um, you know, uh, this is nicer than my apartment. Eddie Murphy. Uh, you sit on the throne of lies. Uh, she's dressed like Wednesday from the Adams family. And then as if she has the, the plaid pattern, like Cher's uh, skirt from Clueless. So at least some of that is amusing, yeah. but I, I agree. I think I would, I think I would rather have five teeth pulled marathon man style than, <laughs> than watch it on an endless loop. <laughs> well, you know, or even when, again. They, when they made it, it's one of those things. And it goes back to the shitty videos we would make in high school where, one, with your friends, it's kind of okay. But two, if you just see it once or twice. But since it plays before every movie, and it's been doing it for a year now at least, yeah, it doesn't... 
I could tolerate it if I saw it once or twice. The first few times I saw it was probably like whatever. But once you see it more than a few times, you realize you're in hell because it just becomes obnoxious. <laughs> and right. it's not funny anymore. It's just annoying. <laughs> Indeed. Actually, so, Justin, speaking of Regal, I'm actually going to jump the the placement here. And I'm going to give my plus, which is... The parent company for Regal is, in fact, Cineworld, which, as we all know, uh, four or five months ago or so, um, they filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. And so the question has always been, how is this going to affect Regal? And unfortunately, what has happened is they have received a judgment that allows them to reject the leases on several theaters. And so unfortunately, in 2023, we are going to see the closing of nearly 39 regals across the country. Uh, we, uh, Justin and I are on the East Coast. EF, where are you geographically that you want to reveal? Oh, I'm uh, near Los Angeles. Okay. Um, so, you know, I'll just read out a couple of these, but obviously if you Google, um, you know, full list regal closings, you'll get that. So California, we have... Metro Point in Costa Mesa, Berkeley 7 in Berkeley, uh, Parkway Plaza Stadium 18 in IMAX in El Cajon, Escondido Stadium 16 in IMAX in Escondido, um, Sherman Oaks Galleria 16 in Los Angeles that will be closing. Uh, Closer to Justin and I, Bowie Stadium 14 is shutting down, Rockville Center Stadium 13 in Rockville, also, uh, let's see. Did I miss one? I feel like I did miss one. But in Pennsylvania, Barn Plaza Stadium 14 in Doylestown, Oaks Stadium 24 in Oaks. Uh, in Virginia, we have Greenbrier Stadium 13 in Chesapeake, Virginia, closing. Stonefield Stadium 14 in IMAX in Charlottesville. And Gallery Place Stadium 14 in Washington, D.C., and then I know I I know I missed saying it, but I believe the Regal in Silver Spring will be closing as well. Unfortunately, so that's oh, sad, Silver sad Spring. News. At first, I thought that was yours. I'm like, wait, no, no. I no, know no, no. the Silver Spring one, but it's not yours. <laughs> We're good. Yeah, yeah. I I believe that one is also closing. Unfortunately, so sad news, everybody. Um, that is unfortunately my, my plus, my little downer plus. I just to kind of go off of that, I think my theater might be safe for a while just because it seems to get a healthy amount and Lancaster's a good enough place. The only thing that might take away from it is there's a theater that opened not too recently in the city, not too far from the Regal that has like, oh, you can get beer in that. That's probably mm. going <laughs> to hit it a bit. The one that's closest to me, Penn Cinema, I actually do prefer, but they just don't have a movie plan, and I don't know if they ever will. So Regal, by default, ends up just being nice, especially when I'm traveling to visit with Jose because I can use it there. Uh, If I head up to King of Prussia, if I'm in the Philly area, there's a bunch over there. So that part would suck if this one does close because there was a brief spot there where they were having like really irregular hours. But I think it's just a matter of not retaining employees because they seem to have a lot again now. So who knows? Maybe they were just burning through some real quick. Yeah, sadly. Actually, you know what? I can't I can't find the Silver Spring one. So maybe that is safe. (laughs) Maybe you just cursed it. (laughs) If if it was not on the list and it closes now, you can all complain to Jose. It's my fault, everybody. All All right. right. Uh, Justin, your plus. 
Uh, so my plus is also a downer, uh, and it, it does circle into the world of wrestling. Uh, so Jay Briscoe, who is one half of, well, was the current RRH Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champion, has sadly passed away. He was only oh, 38. No. He passed away, I want to say, on Tuesday or Wednesday this past week. Uh, he was unfortunately involved in a car accident. Uh, he was taking his two daughters to their cheer practice. And another driver kind of swerved in, and both that driver and he were pretty much dead on impact. Uh, thankfully, his children did survive, but it sounds like they some of them may not walk again. The two daughters, they've had had emergency surgery. So just a very tragic incident, and it's just very shocking because, again, he's only 38. And, you know, I just saw him in a very high-profile tag team match winning the tag titles back at ROH Final Battle. Um so obviously thoughts go out to his family, obviously his brother, who he was a tag team champion with. Uh, I did kind of want to use this as an opportunity, though, because a lot of people have been praising him uh, as a wrestler in that. But some were kind of like, hey, just don't forget or or try to gloss over, you know, some of the hurtful things he used to say when he was younger. Because when he started out probably 20 years ago, he even though he's from Delaware, I think his upbringing was more redneck in Southern uh, because he used to be, he used to share very ha- uh, homophobic, transphobic comments and all that. However, as many people will sometimes apologize for those things, but it feels insincere for both him and his brother. It did genuinely feel sincere of like, no, we were just young and stupid, and we just that's how we were raised. And I, there is a, a drag queen in the world of professional wrestling. Her name is, his name is Polo Delmar. Uh, also a columnist, but he is a manager, the manager of champions, the champion of managers. And he's actually gone on record to saying, having met both of the brothers and becoming close with them the past few years, that that's not the same person. Like they were clearly two different people back then. And it's very sincere. So also just want to give a shout out to growth can happen. It's, it's very easy sometimes to just label somebody that they said something 20 years ago and that's, they're still that hateful. Maybe they're not, but Regardless, thought to go out to obviously his family and the, the kids, especially because that's just very heartbreaking. Um, you said Ring of Honor, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So it look it looks like his real name is Jamin Pugh, but yeah, this is absolutely sad. Very yeah, sad. Very, very, very tragic. And yeah, just I guess hug your loved ones. Not to get too down, but it just sometimes that shit can come out of nowhere, and it's. Yeah, very, just very strange, too, when you just saw somebody not that long ago wrestling, and now it's, well, now they're gone, so. Yeah, yeah. EF, are you a wrestling fan, dabbled, don't watch? Um, I just wrestle with my soul. <laughs> That's as far as my wrestling expertise. How many Hulk Hogan movies goes. have you seen, though? Um, let's see. Actually, okay, uh, No Holds Barred. Yeah. Um. Then there was this one, there was a Three Ninjas movie that he was in. Uh, was High Noon on Mega Mountain, I think it was. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> was that? Um, Suburban Commando. Yeah. Suburban Commando, thank you. I, I forgot about that. And that's about it. That's about yeah. it. What about I, Mr. I'm Nanny? On, you know what? I've never seen Mr. Nanny. I've only seen <laughs> that awesome scene where some guy in the background throws a dog into, a, <laughs> yeah. into an ocean and kills it, apparently. Yeah, like, they, they just caught this crime, this hate crime in a film. Uh, yeah, and, and it's not I, like... What's so bizarre about that scene, it's not like, to my knowledge, the rest of the scene has weird shit going on in the background where it's like, oh, he's arriving in a weird town that does this stuff. It's legitimately, I think that guy was just doing that for real. They didn't catch it until the internet caught it years later. It's really dark. Like, it's a snuff film, basically, for those few frames. Like, you just watch a guy throw a dog into the ocean. 
<laughs> but it's, it's also yeah. fitting because it's also a comedy that's from the Home Alone camp because they try to pretty much murder Hulk Hogan, the kids he has to nanny. Like yeah. they electrocute him at one point. They drop like they somehow changed. I, I can't even remember how, but the weight like I guess it was like digital. So yeah. you could just change the weight on it. So he goes to pick it up and it's like over a thousand pounds and like almost <laughs> chokes him to death. So maybe yeah. that doll being thrown in was actually a sign. And this was brilliant filmmaking. <laughs> and, and by the way, I forgot. I did see another Hulk Hogan movie. It was this one where he's about to have sex with this lady and he keeps apologizing for all the sushi that he ate. Oh my God. Was, uh, I have that too <laughs> on my hard drive. Uh, <laughs> well, let me tell you something, brother. You know, I love that movie, by the way. I'm sorry, Justin. I didn't mean to interrupt your no, that's awesome Hulk impression. But like, I, I, what I love about that video is like, he just keeps apologizing, you know, like, and he's about to, and I'm like, oh my God, he's just like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you something, brother. That was Terry Malaya. <laughs> let me tell you something. Yeah. You got away, got away, got away from this sushi, brother. <laughs> Was that? Uh, I think the title, the title of that film is uh, Gawker Commando. Anyway, Gawker <laughs> Commando. That's brilliant. Uh... <laughs> All right, so we are moving on to reviewing 2023's Missing. Uh, Hulk Hogan's start... worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> the idea that people could get into his hard drive. Uh, oh, I thought I'm... his worst nightmare was that there were black people in the movie. <laughs> well, that's uh... That's actually an even better joke. I didn't even think whoa, about that. That's, whoa, okay. that's a much better joke. <laughs> it is a much better joke. <laughs> all right, here we go. I'm going to start with some below-the-line people. First of all, Missing is kind of like a spiritual sequel slash cousin to Searching. So spiritual cousin to Searching in some ways. Uh, our producer is Time Timor Bekmambatov, who I absolutely love. He is uh, basically like the Russian Steven Spielberg. Uh, he is technically Kazakhstani or Kazakh Russian. He is best known for helming the Russian language adaptation of the Russian vampire legacy novels Night Watch and Day Watch. He is an artist from his formative years studying painting and theater, also served in the Red Army, strangely enough. Uh, but he has produced and directed some films in Hollywood, notably producing and directing Wanted with James McAvoy and Angelina Jolie, uh, which actually bears more than a passing resemblance to some of the action and effects in Daywatch, if you've ever seen Daywatch and then watched Wanted. He also directed Abe Lincoln Vampire Hunter, the Ben-Hur remake, which I don't know that anybody was really asking for, but it's actually not as bad as you think. And then went on to direct 2018's Screen Life movie. I'll explain explain Screen Life in a second. Profile. That's a very little seen film. I don't know if anybody's seen it, but it is harrowing and compelling and fantastic. So if you you all can seek that out, please do so. 2021, he directed um, a Russian film called V2 Escape from Hell, uh, which is actually about World War II. It's about a Russian who helps uh, liberate some people from a concentration camp and then sort of runs afoul of his uh, country in terms of what he's done. So Screen Life is something that Bek Mamdatov and his production company, Basilevs, who is also producing uh, this film, they, uh, they've sort of been behind this idea of quote-unquote screen life. Uh, they've, so these films basically show 
a story that's told completely on computer screens or mobile screens or anything that has to do with like the kind of technology that surrounds us. And Begmamatov has come out and said that this is a response to the ubiquitous presence of digital technology in our everyday lives. And it's an attempt to find dramatic tension in the time that we spend on our screens. Screens. So 2015's Unfriended, which was a horror film with Universal, and Searching, those were the first domestic screen life films. Unfriended made $65 million from a $1 million budget. Searching made $75 million. And believe it or not, it cost less than a million to make, 700000 That was followed up by Unfollowed, which was another of the screen life horror films. In 2021, Basilevs and Begmamatov actually announced a ton of titles, some of which have actually come out, but are kind of hard to find, which is weird. They announced a comedy called Roxy, and that actually turned into what's now called Liked, and it stars Logan Paul, but I don't believe it's been released yet. Truth or Dare, which was also supposed to be a screen life horror film with Blumhouse, uh, it did not become a screen life film, although I think that there are some parts of the, that deal with technology. R hashtag J, which I'm dying to see. I can't find it anywhere. But that is a modern screen life retelling of Romeo and Juliet, which I actually hear is pretty good. And then something called hashtag FBF starring Ashley Judd. That just hit Amazon Prime. And you can see it through something called VIX+. Plus. I, I don't know what all these streaming things are. All I know is <laughs> I, I subscribe to too many of them and I can't get to any of them and it makes me crazy. VIX Plus does not sound like something an Ashley Judd movie would be on. That sounds like the Hulk Hogan tape would be on there. Well, I know, right? You. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so our, our screenwriters and our directors are Will Merrick and Nicholas Johnson. They are both editors by trade and this is their first sort of directing effort merrick is it was an editor on both searching as well as a hulu direct film called run uh starring sarah paulson which unfortunately i have not seen anybody seen that run I with sarah not. paulson okay uh nicholas johnson also an editor by trade uh he has been an editor on run as well as searching and he's also edited a bunch of television shows and most notably, 2014's an computer animated Heavenly Sword, which is written by Todd Farmer, who not only not only am I in love with him, but I love all of the movies that he's written. He wrote Jason X, My Bloody Valentine, Drive Angry, and The New Trick, directed by uh, Patrick Lussier. If you haven't seen it, great slasher film. Love it. Rent it. Our story is by two gentlemen who are also producers on this film, Sev Ohanian, I believe he is Armenian. Uh, he is a producer and an EP on various shorts, smaller films, and series. He uh, produced Searching, Run. He was an EP on Space Jam Legacy, Judas and the Black Messiah, which is actually pretty fantastic. Um, and then Anish Changati. He is a writer on shorts, and he wrote and directed both Oh, actually, he directed Searching. So that's who directed Searching, Anish Shaganti. And he wrote and directed Searching and that Hulu film Run. And just really quickly, our DP is Steve Holleran, who did a bang-up job. Uh, he's most known for A Chef's Voyage, which is a documentary about chef David Kinch collaborating with three other legendary chefs in France. And then probably most known for two things, 2020's Chick Fight, which stars Malin Ackerman, Bella Thorne, and Alec Baldwin, 
which also includes in the cast Kevin Nash and Alec Mappa. Alec Mappa is a Filipino comedian. I love him. And then the Max original The Climb, which is a competition climbing show. Uh, I believe Jason Momoa was on a couple of those episodes. So those are our Below the Line people. Justin, if you want to go through some of our fabulous actors. Certainly. So as you mentioned earlier in the show, Storm Reed is our lead. She plays June. Uh, she rose to fame getting the lead role in Disney's A Wrinkle in Time, has since made more of a name for herself in series such as Euphoria, and she is on the new Last of Us series. She also had roles in the Invisible Man remake from Bloomhouse, The Suicide Squad, as well as Don't Let Go, Slight, and I believe this was one of, if not her first role, a very quick role in 12 Years a Slave. Playing her mother, Grace, is Nia Long, very decorated character actress, has appeared in films such as Boys in the Hood, The Best Man, Soul Food, Friday, Big Mama's House, Boiler Room, Are We There Yet?, uh, as well as appearing in some episodes of Fresh Prince Bel-Air. She was on the Dear White People series, as well as NCIS Los Angeles, Empire, and House of Lies. Uh, then everyone and don't else- forget Love Jones. I love that movie, oh, Love Jones. <laughs> love Jones as well. I actually have not seen that, so now i got to put that ah, on my list. So good. <laughs> uh, the rest of the people I have listed here are character actors uh, playing... James, uh, Storm Reed's biological father that we see in the beginning of the film. Tim Griffin, who I noted looks like Troy and Brad from Not a Bomb combined. <laughs> oh, oh my God. I never thought of that. You are right. I couldn't shake it by 100%. By the uh, way, I, I love Tim Griffin. Um, I Anytime he shows up in anything, I, I'm obsessed with him and I love it when he shows up. I know... I think most people will know him as his character from Grey's Anatomy. He played George O'Malley's brother. Um, So I always know him as, you know, Ronnie, George O'Malley's brother. But additionally, um, you know, he's just been in everything. He's been on TV, movies. He has a ton of credits. Uh, He was on the... I want to say it's either the Born Ultimatum or it could have been the Born Legacy. Uh, anyway, supremacy is what I have written. Okay, he uh, is interrogating Matt Damon, and apparently, when they filmed that scene, he really Damon really did crack him on his nose and caused a deviated septum. Oh. So I guess you I guess you don't fuck with Matt Damon. Yeah, damn! Don't mess with Loki. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just a couple other things Tim Griffin was in. Uh, to go with his TV credits, he's been on various versions of NCIS and CSI. He was in True Detective, Covert Affairs, Burn Notice, ER, Bones, Jag, Charmed, Seventh Heaven, Party of Five, Walker, Texas Ranger, Sliders, and one of his first walls was on Who's the Boss. As for films, on top of Born Supremacy, he's also appeared in American Sniper, Central Intelligence, Cloverfield, which I'm a big fan of, Iron Man, Star Trek, Super 8 and The Gift, the, I forget who directed it, but it was one with uh, Jason Bateman, not the Joel early Edgerton. T- not Joel the Edgerton. Raimi. Yes, not the same Raimi film. Uh, playing uh, Kevin, who is Storm Reed's, I guess, not f- father-in-law, but the mother's new boyfriend, is Ken Leong, another character actor, has appeared in series such as Lost, The Sopranos, Industry, The Blacklist, the very new and apparently very maligned Velma series on HBO Max, Inhuman. He also popped up in films such as The Force Awakens, Old, Inside Man. Uh, He was Kid Omega in X-Men The Last Stand, Saw, Red Dragon, Spy Game, and AI. 
Uh, Megan Su- Suri as Vina, Storm Reed's friend. She is uh, mostly new actress, has appeared in films and shows such as Never Have I Ever, 13 Reasons Why, Fresh Off the Boat, Modern Family, Future Man, which I still need to watch. I, Jose keeps getting oh on me God, for that. I love and it. Bones. And I believe that's the only of the uh, kid actors or child actors, or I guess teen actors. I will say when I was looking up a lot of the other ones, they kind of ran the same circles as Megan Suri appearing in a lot of modern sitcoms. So we have Amy Landecker as Heather. Uh, she was in Dr. Strange, a serious man, Dan in real life, your honor transparent. She apparently has a recurring role in the Crude's animated series, the handmaid's tale Q force. One of your husband's favorite shows, Jose ah. uh, Batman, the long Halloween. She voiced Barbara Gordon in those sneaky yeah. Pete troll hunters louie and then various uh versions of ncis and law and order i will say a lot of the character actors in this have also appeared in ncis csi law and order uh we have daniel henny as agent park he was an x-men origins wolverine the last stand big hero six criminal minds uh my father from 2007 which was a big korean hit mm-hmm. hawaii 50 reboot and ncis los angeles tracy Villar as detective gomez so she actually started as a Working in the casting department, I included her just because I thought her history was kind of interesting. Working casting for films such as Malcolm X and Do the Right Thing. Uh, She would then start acting uh, in Crooklyn, The Cosby Mysteries. There's a joke there, but I'm going to be nice and not make it. Don't do it. Don't do it. We've already (laughs) gone down the the Hogan route. I know. Double Jeopardy, K-Pax, CSI, Curb Your Enthusiasm, NYPD Blue, and then a litany of modern sitcoms. Uh, and then I'm going to mispronounce this. No, maybe I won't. Joaquim de Almeida as Javi, who I absolutely loved in this film. We'll get there. He is also a very noted character actor appearing in films such as Desperado, Clear and Present Danger, Fast Five, Behind Enemy Lines, and then series such as 24, The West Wing, and a bunch of CSI. Even has a voice role in Saints Row as Hector Lopez, and he also voiced Bane in 2004's The Batman animated series, which, considering how soft-spoken he is in this, I would not expect Bane from him, so I'm curious to go back and listen to that. He can drop then, his register, definitely. Yes. Also, I uh, I have affectionately nicknamed him the Hispanic Phil Hartman because yes. for whatever for whatever reason he kind of looks like Phil he Hartman. does. Oh my god! Okay, I made you have a revelation with Brad and Troy, but now I had a revelation with that. I want to see this again just to see. And I was something I swore I just watched the other night where I was like, man, Phil Hartman was definitely going to be in that if he was alive. This role feels like it was written for him. And then just because I I thought this was interesting. So Rick Chambers is the morning host in this. And the only reason I brought this up is because he is a co-anchor of KTLA Weekend News and Sunday Edition for real. But he does appear in a lot of movies, but not as himself. It's just a generic morning host guy. So he's (laughs) appeared in films such as TMNT, Skyscraper, Steve Jobs, Nightcrawler, The Purge Anarchy, The Dictator, Hot Summer Nights, Eagle Eye, and as well as shows such as Ray Donovan, Rizzolian Isles, Silicon Valley, uh, The L Word, and Curb Your Enthusiasm. I just thought it was very interesting that... He is kind of an actor then because he's never he's probably playing himself, but usually they just let you play you. And for whatever reason, they're like, no, you're going to play a fake news anchor. I don't know why I thought that was interesting. I just did. No, no licensing agreement there. Yeah, they're like, look, you, you don't have that much. You're not a you're not a Anderson Cooper. All right. You don't got that kind of pool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. So, EF, we'll start with you. What are your spoiler free thoughts on uh, Missing? 
I, I'm still reeling from Jose ruining Joaquin de Almeida for me. Now I think now all I'm going to see is Hispanic Phil Hartman. When I totally. see him in Desperado, I'm going to rewatch Desperado. I'm like, oh my God, Hispanic Phil Hartman. He could be Phil Hartman. <laughs> oh man, Phil Hartman could have been in Desperado. Damn. That would have been even better. That's kind of like when I found out that originally Danny Trejo's role in Once Upon a Time in Mexico was originally supposed to go to Quentin Tarantino, but he couldn't do it because he was doing Kill Bill. And I kind of oh. wish Tarantino did do it just because it meant Tarantino would have to do like a fake Mexican accent. No. I want to see Phil Hartman in this alter- in an alternate universe, in a much better alternate universe. We would have yes. seen Phil Hartman doing a fake Spanish accent in Desperado. Yes. <laughs> that would have been so awesome. You anyway, know he could do it. I, I no, just remember I, him. There's got to be a skit somewhere where he had to do a fake Spanish Absolutely. accent. Absolutely. I, I just remember him bursting through the background in any number of SNL skits where he's like, <laughs> Soylent Green has made it, people. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. That's one of my yeah. favorite SNL sketches. It's I love it. The, the, the Soylent Green 2, where it's like, they lied. It's still made out of people. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, you were asking me for my non-spoiler yes. review. Uh, so, um, look, I, I've... What was it? Screen Life? Is that the term that mm-hmm. they use? Yeah. Um, I, I haven't seen many Screen Life movies. I th- the only one that I could think of that I actually did watch was uh, one from 2020 called Host. Um mm-hmm. Which is very good. It's, it, it takes place over a Zoom meeting. And yeah. I, I, I recommend that. Um, I do too. Very creepy film. Very much. Uh, I've never seen Searching. And to be honest, when you, uh, when you hit me up and said, oh, would you like to cover uh, Missing with us? I honestly thought like, wait, you mean the, the 1982 Costa Gravas movie with uh, Jack Lemmon? Like, you guys, I thought you guys do current movies. I'm like, out of all, like, and why'd you think of me for that movie? I'm like, hey, I appreciate it, but like, uh, wait, that's, that's not weird. what we're covering? And then I looked up, I, I had to go like on my AMC app and be like, okay, so there's a movie coming out called Missing. I went into it having zero idea what I was going to watch. I didn't know it was a screen life movie. Um, but overall, I thought this was a very involving and exciting mystery uh, told in what was to me a novel way because I've only seen like one of these desktop movies. Um, <laughs> I love that. I don't know what you would do. You know, screen life is a better term though. <laughs> Up until the last 20 minutes, I was actually surprised by each development in the story, you know, and uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it. Was there, a, was there an actor or actors that stood out to you and how did you feel about this format of these like multiple screens and you know that kind of thing as far as actors who stood out um hispanic phil hartman actually yes. did stand up for me <laughs> fucking I, I he was actually my favorite character javi um the uh the uh, yeah, it's not non-spoiler uh go ninja yeah, that's that's the, the i think that was the name of the company that he worked for which was like the yeah. colombian task rabbit which is a whole other right. thing we're gonna <laughs> but uh, but no i really liked his character i i and i'll say you really did need him because maybe I, I purposely so I wasn't the biggest fan of the main character, but I think again, that's the movie working. Like it, it's intended that way. That's a whole other thing we'll get into, but uh, yeah, Joaquin Almeida, Javi's that, that character of Javi, he was, I, I really liked that character. And then I'm sorry, what was the second question you asked? Uh, what did you, what did you think about the, the mode of storytelling, the actual screen life sort of, we're going to call it a new genre actually. Yeah. I think. Oh, absolutely. Um, for like the first few minutes, as an old man, I was a bit overwhelmed. Where I'm like, oh, wow, this is all over the place. The way it was just kind of really just, I don't use 
my computer that fast, as fast as the main character does, where she's just going to like, you know, stickies and this and, you know, and re- recording this. And I'm like, and, and so in a couple of cases, I'm like, oh, wait a minute, I, I could actually pair my iPhone with my Mac. <laughs> I'm basically the mom Surprise. from the movie. That's, that's, oh. you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm saying, hey, I'm not going to say the name in case I set off anybody else's phone for everything, you know? <laughs> um, so it took a few minutes, but it was a good kind of overwhelming, you know? And I think that's uh, uh, an, in, uh, an intention on the film's part to kind of like get you really uh, overwhelmed with like, okay, this is how her life is. She really just does everything through every single social media or internet-based app available, you know? So it took a few minutes, and then I got into it. You know, I was like, okay, I, I get it now. I, I, I'm okay. This old man has gotten his parents. And, like, <laughs> and what's going on now? I, I will say for me, one old man did hit with those sticky notes because she had a whole bunch of those digital sticky notes, and I'm just like, open a spreadsheet or something and make tabs. Mm-hmm. I have it in all one shot. Because <laughs> how do we gonna- do it? I could, but it's similar to like if I work with someone and I go to their desktop, uh, and it's just they have every, the whole desktop is covered with like links to whatever like document they need. I'm like, why don't you just make a separate folder? Because I got this beaten into me when I was in business school. I'm like, so it's easier to access, but the sticky notes are kind of driving me nuts. They were meant to, but yeah, that was my old man moment. I'm like, just open a spreadsheet. Come on, just put it all in one little so you can easily go back to it. Uh, one last thing, and then I'll I'll move to Justin's uh, spoiler-free thoughts. Um, uh, and now I forgot what I was going to say. Edit, edit. Well, maybe um, maybe you should have put it on a sticky note. <laughs> oh, you are cruel, Red. You are cruel. Um, oh, here's what I meant to say. A criticism of this film is that there are just one too many twists. Did you feel that way, or or did it feel? Did that feel organic? You're speaking to me. Yeah. <laughs> Not to um, Justin. No, no. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, it was more, I was fine with it. it. It was more that I wasn't up until, I would say, like the last 20 minutes. I don't want to say let down. It was standard. And so mm. for me, it was not so much a complaint about too many twists. It was that the final twist was one that actually I did guess. And mm. that like, I kind of wanted it to keep surprising me. The film was surprising me up until that final twist. So it was more about that. I, I was fine with multiple twists. I just wish that last twist surprised me. That was it. Yeah. I'm actually very similar. I will say there was a spot where even I was like, all right, maybe one too many twists. And while that worked in glass onion, it was starting to wear it's welcome here. But just the fact that we'll get to it in the spoiler section, that final twist was saying standards, the perfect definition. It kind of didn't sully the whole experience, but like I got really involved with this film, uh, especially with Javi. I will be honest with you. I think I like Storm Reed, And to your point, I think she was meant to sometimes be a little, I don't want to say cold, but grading, grading. <laughs> uh, and I think that was the point one to show her growth uh, throughout the film. Uh, but two, she is somebody who's very young and is now being put into a situation that's very tragic, losing a mother and, you know, b- pretty much being on your own. So part of that's also like, well, I'm not like 18 anymore. So, of course, an 18 year old's probably going to grade on me. I thought she was good. But I think having Javi made it easier for obviously us as adults, but also helped with her, too. And we'll get to that in the spoiler section. But having their growth. But yeah, I mean, for a good long while, I got really invested in this, not just the gimmick itself, but very similar to searching. They have a way of 
presenting a very human story of like loss, but it can be very easy and manipulative. I've mentioned in the past, the downside to dramas is you might make a drama about somebody who has cancer and like the whole point is, oh, isn't it sad? Well, like, yeah, I know it's sad. Make me actually care. And there's just a way, and maybe it is the gimmick that in both of these films, I found myself getting really emotionally involved where like, I never cried or anything, but I'm like kind of getting like a little misty eyed or like really hitting certain spots with, you know, the realization the mother's gone. And I expected it more in searching because obviously it was somebody's child being lost. But I guess that flip side, I'm like just trying to put yourself in those shoes. It's it's kind of haunting and scary. And like some of those twists I didn't see coming initially. And I was I was there for it. And this is uh a format that I do kind of like. I was saying to a friend, William, that I feel like it's kind of the evolution of found footage. Um, so you much stole so my that, comment, damn it. <laughs> so much so that somebody in the, because I mentioned how much I love Cloverfield, I like to go to the Cloververse subreddit and just watch them anxiously waiting for news on the next movie. So they're just throwing out their theories. And somebody said, well, what if you did it similar to like missing and searching? And most people kind of slacked it off, but I'm like, as I was watching this, I'm like, that could work if they're not going found footage, because if you go the idea that we're finding all of this footage from the monster attack or maybe a following one, it'd be kind of a creepy way of doing it where somebody is like uncovering it and going through all these like social media accounts. I was really impressed and I which is funny because I was impressed with searching too, but I thought this one did it even better of just making everything feel so smooth. And sometimes tricking you too. I'll get to it in the spoiler section, but there's a couple of times where I was just like, wait, this feels awkward that we're going to this format now. And I'm like, oh, I see why we're going to this format now. Very clever. And I also got old man because I think with searching, since they used the father, it was more basic like Facebook and those social medias here. They're getting to like stuff I didn't even consider. Like you had mentioned EF about like using basically the Colombian I guess you could say it's almost like a uh, DoorDash type service, but instead it's just for like general tasks because she hires him to help her do some investigation over. And uh, was it Columbia that the mm, parents went yes. to? Yes. Okay. Just making sure I was correct in that. It made sense. I, I remembered like Colombian government, but so I thought like all of that like moved really slow. The only thing, and I can't really get into it until the spoiler section, is I did think that it started to lose itself a little bit in that final like 20 minutes to EF's point. And I'm curious as we discuss it. And as I've had a couple of days to get away from it, if some of my issues of, does this make sense out of context of the gimmick or just in these characters, I think they actually do the more I think about it, but there's a few times where I was just like, I don't know if that would hold up on a rewatch, but on the first visit, I was taken into all of this I, I know some people have said it's kind of preposterous i'm like well yeah but most of these mystery kind of films are it's just a matter of if you suck me in or not in this case i was i was sucked in i'm sorry i shouldn't have said that i should know not to say that around yes it kirbyed you yeah it kirbyed me we're going back to the kirby debacle <laughs> oh, don't I say suck around me brother <laughs> Uh, it's a sensitive subject. Wow. wow. I think I had too much sushi. So, uh, you know what, you guys, I, I am absolutely on the same page with all of you. Um, you know, Justin, you told me that, or you said, this is kind of like the evolution of found footage. And I absolutely feel that. But even more so, the, the ability for screen life to escape the trappings of found footage is, um, 
is what I think makes this type of film so compelling. Um, and it is like wildly involving, especially, I mean, as somebody who has a lot of screen life and can manipulate their computer really, really quickly and open up, you know, post-it notes and go to the, you know, different, uh, social media and have different windows open and and pair it with your phone and read all your uh, texts on your computer, even call out from your computer. Uh, I was absolutely invested in this and it felt real to me. Um, there are a lot of twists, but quite frankly, I really didn't have any f- twist fatigue, which I think is a, some of the criticism of the film. But then again, that was just me. I think the acting definitely, definitely very good. Um, Storm Reed, I, you know, yeah, she is kind of annoying and grating like every teenager, um, but I think that she really sold the fear and the sort of like desperation. Um, I could take or leave the uh, woman and the uh, CIA or the FBI agent or whomever, they they were just serviceable. But I do agree that, you know, in sort of a Whoopi Goldberg in ghost role, Javi really does make this film. Um, and even some of the extension of, of how they connect, because, you know, again, like, you can connect over Facebook and social media, and these are connections that can last. And so I did like that sort of like tip off. Um, uh, regarding that, regarding Storm Reed's character and um, Hispanic Phil Hartman's character as well. Um, yeah, it's the other thing. A, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Go for it. No, I was just going to say it's when you to your point. It's very balanced on showing without being preachy about it some of the you know dangers that we can have with being too consumer screen life, but also some of those benefits. And I think Javi's the best example that yeah, sometimes you can meet someone online and become friends with them or they can help you. It's not always just dire. It still comes down to the individuals using it as opposed to just the, cause these could easily go down the technophobia route and just be, yeah. Ooh, you know, but in these cases they're like, well, we can use it for, for gain. I mean, I mean, I didn't even think about in this movie, even though I've seen videos on YouTube of like, yeah, using like security cam from, actual tourist locations because sometimes I go down that rabbit hole of seeing like potential haunted videos or whatever and usually the ring doorbell stuff gets me because that's just intruders and that scares the hell out of me but sometimes you'll get like just weird shit happening at like tourist attractions where it's like you'll see somebody throwing maybe a dog into the river well like wait a minute we watch Mr. Nanny exactly but you'll see weird stuff like that and I'm like I forgot about that until this appeared in this movie and I was like yeah that's clever like I wouldn't have thought to do that Well, without revealing my job, um, I do happen to watch a lot of body camera footage. And so I, you know, again, I just I bought into the modernity of of just, you know, screen life. And, and we're all always in our phones and everything. And and I think that that hook is is what makes screen life so exciting in terms of a format. And I will say this, um, this this film elevated the actual format because if you watch profile or you watch searching, they have done things here where there is misdirection. There is in a way an unreliable narrator kind of like trick that they're pulling. Um, And I just, I just think it's absolutely brilliant. And if they continue 
not only just Bekmambatov, but if anybody else who decides to do screen life stuff, if they continue with elevating the format like this and and building things in where it's like, okay, how do you get a camera in to where they are if they're going to be quote unquote trapped? And I think they did it all in a very organic kind of way that I that just like blew my socks off. And there was a part of me that was thinking like, oh my God, the middle, the middle section of it, maybe it's slow. Um, and maybe it feels like the film resolves twice. We saw, we had another movie that ended twice. Oh, the pale blue eye. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) while it's not quite like the pale blue eye, I can see where both of you were thinking, you know, towards the end, it's like, all right, how are they going to wrap this up? Like, where else are they going to take us? Um, but no, no, I really, really dug it. And, before we move on to our spoiler-free thoughts, as somebody who is often on my phone as well as watching television or has a lot of screen life in terms of there's work, but then I'm also kind of checking out some social media stuff on the side while I'm doing work, um, there is a, I will just say this, there is a gift in the film, <laughs> if you will, if you pay attention to some of the sidebars and some of the the news articles because there's actually believe it or not a little story that you can follow throughout the film it's a little hard to do um it's a little hard to do if you're not used to that but as somebody again who just can quickly like look at boxes and then like you know jump back into the action there's a gift if you're able to do that and with regards to rewatchability um, I want to go back and I want to mm-hmm. I want to check out all that the Chirons and the sidebars, um, but also go back and see like you know did they really build in this mystery? So yeah, yeah. I'm I gonna say the, I was gonna say I caught the Easter egg to the first film, which I did not know. I mean, it is still technically a sequel, but I just yeah. assumed it was from the makers of, not like supposed to be in that same universe. But there is an Easter egg that kind of ties this to the first one to searching, but I. I do like the idea because I just saw somebody on Facebook saying, why didn't they just make it a direct sequel? I'm like, well, first off, if you have to bring the characters back, that's just cruel to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just exactly. like, oh, you lost again. your kid again. I mean, or it's, it's like, the, uh, it's like uh, John McClane in Die Hard <laughs> 2. Like, again? <laughs> yeah, again. It's like, I, I like, or honestly, I remember that was the issue I had with some of the Paranormal Activity sequels was they kept trying to go back with the same family. I'm like, all right, can we just, they eventually got away from it. like, the gimmick is what's selling here. I don't need to see this poor family going through the same thing and then somehow forgetting about the stuff that happened in their past when you go back to the first movie. I um, believe the word you're looking for is retcon. <laughs> yeah, retcon. Yeah, big, big retcon. So, yes. but I did not realize there was something going on uh, with the other tabs, which is very clever. So that more, I almost did want to see this again if I could have squeezed it in. I, I did look when I saw it on Thursday. I'm like, can I get in one more screen time tonight? But I'm like, nah, the other one just started a little bit ago because I was kind of curious just to see, like, I wonder if some of my nagging issues are just, you know, me overthinking it or not, you know, going back mm. and being able to piece some of the pieces together. Uh, botched second sucking attempt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, so I had a nickel for that. <laughs> so my my spoiler free verdict uh, is definitely a watch. It is a it's a it's a extra hard watch. <laughs> Since we coined floppy watch from the last episode, I'm going to say extra hard watch. Um, EF, what's your verdict? Watch or skip? Oh, it's definitely a watch. It's definitely okay. a watch, but maybe, maybe wait to see it at home only, not because of the movie's quality, 
but because um, I, my schedule, the way it worked out was I was only able to see this on Thursday, right? I watched mm. it on Thursday. And that also, it turned out, happened to be National Popcorn Day at movie <laughs> theaters. And so, nice. like, I feel the crowd that came to see this movie, um, it, they really brought their asshole game. Oh, and um, got it. yeah, a lot of talking. And by the way, it's a testament to the strength of the movie that despite all that, I was really into it. But there was a lot of talking. And I also started thinking maybe or maybe this, these types of movies bring that type of people here. You know, they, they, it, it attracts the assholes. Maybe that's why I was asked to cover this movie. <laughs> uh, and, 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 I was, and I was like, so, so I, 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 oh, it I gotta, plays I, very well in a movie theater. Listen, <laughs> I, got, I got to tell you, other than the two people who were high and giggling in the, in the front row, everybody was silent, you know? I mean, every now and then there'd this be reaction like, mm, girl, you know, whatever. But like, oh, I would have loved for that. The most part, for the most part, everybody was silent and riveted. I was no, afraid. mine was just into talking about like anything that was kind of related to the movie, uh, but they weren't into the movie. And it was just, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, with my screening, I was afraid that, because it was a healthy amount. Most people were just quiet and, you know, just reactionary. But for whatever reason, I'm pretty sure the person behind me was a single mom that just wanted to see this movie because she brought her like two five-year-old kids. There's no way they yeah. had oh. any interest in this. Maybe they did because they or they were just really well behaved once the movie started because they were kind of up and about there in the previous once the movie started. Like I never heard them. So either they somehow got invested in this or she, you know what, is a saint and knows how to teach her children because I was just like, come on, really, this movie? Like, I know it's not R-rated, it's like PG, but like, there's no way the five-year-olds have an interest in missing. Come on. Well, let me tell you, the babysitter is, in fact, the screen, and so they saw the screens, and they were just like, Which is true. And you know what? This might have been perfect, because unlike, since it is a very heavy, I don't want to say ADHD, well, that might be the best way of saying it, but there's so much going on, it's it's easy for them to stay glued instead of, Mm. you know, if it was just a more streamlined movie. You're a watch, right? Yes, I am a watch. Uh, I though I will say this: it works really well in the theater. But I, when searching came out, I intentionally watched it on a laptop because I felt like it would immerse it more. I feel like that might still help with missing because when I watch, there's a couple of other Screen Life movies, and to be fair, this the first one that I can think of that I finally watched was from 2002 called The Collingswood Story. So it's like old dial-up. That's damn. one of the first. It's actually. it's very limited. Uh, I respect the fact that it was a, tra- a trendsetter, but. I, did not hold up for me uh, on modern eyes, but it felt weird watching that on a big screen at home. I will say though, to missing this still felt theatrical. Like I, that I thought that was going to be my struggle of like, this feels like something like, cause even the paranormal activities, I'm like, those felt better watching it at home because it added to the atmosphere. This did work in a the theater, but you, I, to your point, EF, I do think these and horror movies do tend to, the only times I ever have issues with people in the theater is in a horror movie or something like this. I can't think of any time, well, outside of maybe the opening to Regal, but that's, that's different kind of people. Uh, but like, if I go see a comedy, rarely do I see people interrupting it. But when I go see the black phone, that's when I get people, you know, making jokes or trying to be funny, but yeah. they're not funny. And it's just like. You know, where are you during the actual bad movies? <laughs> where are you when I'm sitting through crap at a th- movie theater and I could use your enjoyment? No, you're quiet then. Or Actually, it's a hard dope. watch at an Alamo. Let's put it that way. There you yeah. go. Yeah. An Alamo, it's there a hard, hard watch. watch at an Alamo. There we go. That's my, my um, verdict. I actually feel terrible. I didn't, 
I don't normally take notes when I see the movie, but it wasn't listed on IMDb, but there are two different cinematographers for the footage we are watching as well as the screens and and what's going on with like the, you know, how it's how the screens are being portrayed on on screen. And so there there were different DPs for that and I didn't I didn't get to write who they actually were, but there are specific ones for that. All right, so we are going to move into our spoiler free I'm sorry, our spoilered thoughts. So if you have not seen Missing starring Storm Reed directed by Will Merrick and Nicholas Johnson, you're going to want to turn it off because I'm about to spoil it in 3 2 1. So the subplot, which I found absolutely riveting myself in the other boxes, is, first of all, there's a Chiron that says Hollywood director kills film editor, which I, I found absolutely comical. Um, but so there are two threads. Apparently, as you, as you go through this film and you watch, there is a storm a weird electrical storm that is happening over the East Coast. It starts in Baltimore, and eventually it's revealed that it's not a storm, but it may be extraterrestrials or objects being spotted in the sky, which I thought was fantastic. Is this the- just Cloverfield 2? What, <laughs> what if this is how they viral market that movie? This is their art. Uh, I do I wow. hope so. But here, And then the other fun little subplot you can follow is – there is something called the Green Angel, yeah. and uh, they he at at turns is portrayed as like a vigilante, but then he's also saving people. And as the movie progresses, he goes from hero to villain, because then you'll see these uh, notations about how there are protesters, how they want to find the Green Angel, and they you know want to crim you know press criminal charges against the things that he's doing. And so those were the two subplots that I thought were pretty fun to watch in the little boxes on the side. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just crazy. And I like to look at other no, things I think on that's the screen. Really clever actually. And you know yeah. what? I could see them be doing there. I mean, I made the Cloverfield joke. I don't think it'll tie into that, but if oh, they I continue, hope so though. I mean, if so, I would 100% be fine with that. But I wonder if they already have like, hey, these are two ideas we might do as screen life movies after this. What a way to kind of hint at that. So because like I mentioned earlier, there's a quick very early on in the beginning. Uh, one of the news articles shows uh, Deborah Messing, who was in the first film. So yes. it at least ties that in. So it's like, OK, so it still exists in that same universe. So I'm like, that's actually a really clever way of dropping like Easter eggs. It's like taking Pixar's thing of like, oh, we're going to drop like Wally in one of or, like the Incredibles or something because it's coming out in a few years or we have yeah. that in the pipeline. That's that's really clever. I'll, it's pretty fantastic. I, I want to go back and see it just to just to check out more of those uh, stories. But <laughs> or it could have just been they were like, look, we have Storm Reed. So what do we have Storm? And then we also read because Storm <laughs> Reed sounds like a comic book character. Let's be honest. Yeah, sounds. So maybe they're like, let's just go with, uh, you know, a villain origin story. But either way, I that, think that's really clever. I, I, that makes me even more want to revisit this once it hits VOD and Blu-ray. EF, what did you think about some of this misdirection about how at first they paint, you know, obviously Ken Lung as this horrible person, um, but then they throw in it could it could be the mom, and then there's this actress. What did you think about those twists? The with the mom, I I don't, I mean, 
it wouldn't be good for the for the char- the main character June, but there was a part of me that kind of wanted it to lead to that, because mm. it, it's like well. Five minutes ago, I just proved you how dark I can go. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> yes. my mind tends to go towards the dark. And I kind of like the idea of like, that's a really dark thread to go into if it turns out that the mom was behind all of this. It's like, yeah. it's almost like, what, is she sick of her daughter? Or it's like, or it's like, you know, my daughter doesn't appreciate me, so fuck her, so I'm out of here. So <laughs> it's like, like, I was thinking like, is that what's going on? Because it really felt that way. And I think maybe I don't want to. Not that I was disappointed. It was just more like, okay, so they didn't go that way. No, it, it's UEF. You're the sicko that kind of wanted it to go that uh, way. I but actually I, wanted it to go that way too. I am a little just because I thought how diabolical if it ended up being the mom. Like, holy and, shit! No, really. And let's be real. Like, I think it would have had the virtue of never been uh, having never been tried. You know, the idea mm-hmm. of like, hey, let's just let's just make her the bad guy. Let's just yeah. make it that the mom. But then I'm like. Get real. But they, it's not going they, to go that way. Yeah, How would they, they go that way? That. <laughs> but they worked in that whole mystery about an alternate identity by then yeah. revealing that she was a domestic violence um, survivor and had been moved to get away from the father. I, I, I thought that angle... So that's what I meant when I said in the spoiler-free that there was this whole unreliable narrator thing because mm-hmm. in the beginning of the film, we think it's maybe Storm Reed. But it's really the mother who is editing this clip, you know? Yeah. And and then it occurs to you that when you finally see kind of what the rest of the clip is, I mean, you're already fooled into thinking that the bloody nose is cancer, but it's his cocaine habit, like less than zero, right? Oh, the runs. <laughs> rusty pipes. Yeah. Right, rusty pipes, <laughs> rusty that's pipes. it. Yes, thank you, thank you. Um, but uh, I, I love that misdirect. And then hearing that it that there was an actress and then you you know she uses i does that technology exist on iPhones to to see a portion of what was maybe in a live or an edited i don't know cuz when there's yes. that reveal that she turns and it's somebody different you're like <gasps> i just remember gasping out loud i loved yeah. it I, that that I, was one of the things i was not sure of but i was like i'm not going to consider that uh too bad of a mistake cuz i'm like I'm also old enough that I don't know if that's actually possible in a cell. Holy shit. <laughs> well, I'm not an iPhoner, so I don't... Yeah, neither am I. I, I mean, it was a good twist, though. I was like, oh, shit, that is cool. Like, in the moment, I was like, all right, yeah. Yeah. I can confirm that that is something that iPhones do because uh, oh, as shit. an old man who, for, like, most of his life was an Android guy, mm. uh, I ended up getting an iPhone a couple years ago. Just Traitor. Like, uh, no, no, because the Android <laughs> that I wanted wasn't available, and they had an iPhone for the same price, and I was like, you know what? Let's see how the other half lives. Traitor. And I traitor. Bought Trader. <laughs> you know what? That's right. That's right, We're comrade. Android, guys. I'm a <laughs> and uh, so I, I, I went and I was like, let's get, get to the iPhone. Hey, look, I was halfway there. I have an iMac. So it's like, so, uh, let's just go all the way, Trader. And uh, I, I got the <laughs> iPhone and I started taking pictures of it. And I noticed that, like, the way I was taking pictures, I was like, wait, why, are there, why is there a couple seconds of like movement? And that's a thing called uh, live, where you can take pictures where it'll take like a couple extra seconds of like frames to go along with it. So you see a little movement. So that's totally a thing. That wow. Was yeah. See, 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 see how, how the other half lives. Yeah, I Come do. Join Come join us over here on the I, I, land. I can't remember. No I, to would be criminals. Do not yeah. use an iPhone. No, no, no. <laughs> does, does iPhone have it where if like you're in a group chat and somebody likes 
like one of the texts? It, does it just not? Because I get a message like every Christmas when we have those big like Merry Christmas from my extended family. They'll send like photos of each other. So I'll get a message that says so and so love this image, but it comes as a separate text and it drives me insane. If iPhone uh, doesn't have that, I might actually switch over. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Uh, what about so? I love that they. I love that Javi went back to his son and there was that picture of like Javi and his son at the end. Yeah. I, I I thought that was really, really great. I got really involved with Javi and everything with his son when he was talking about his kid and be like, Hey, you know, sometimes you drift apart, you have arguments. That was, that was the spot that was kind of getting me choked up a little bit. And I was just like, I, and I test that so much to the actor. There was just so much genuine emotion coming from him that, and it worked well, obviously with, to, to have storm Reed's character, June have her growth, uh, which, by the way, her character's name was June, and this movie took place in June. I, I don't know why I thought that was funny, wah, but wah. I just <laughs> caught that. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a while, but it caught, it finally hit me because I think they mentioned something about summer, and it was like it came up, and it was like June something. I'm like, wait a minute, that's her name. I'm like, you fuckers. I'm like, I like it though. I, I like it. But yeah. you clever sons of bitches. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that everything with Javi really hit me. And like that ended up being like the true happy ending for me was like when you see that little like, I guess, Facebook post that and even when he's like kind of getting because she snaps at him at one point and like kind of says, well, you know, maybe you're the reason your son isn't talking to you. And you can tell he snaps because he's hurt. But there's also a part of me that's like you can tell that's something he's already thought about. And that like really hit me, his actual reactions to that. And then when like when she's trying to get help, when she's trying to reach back out to him again, kind of seeing him wrestling with he, that. Yeah, he's all like, I need the phone for for uh, whatever. Uh, you got to get off the phone or whatever. Like you could just tell he was like, not this bitch again. And, and honestly, so. <laughs> I was kind of like, I don't blame him at this point either. Like there's Absolutely. not that part of me. It's like, oh, come on, it's a kid. I'm like, he's got a point. <laughs> like, I mean, honestly, it wasn't entirely necessary, but it just... It was a nice bookend to be like, oh, at the mm-hmm. end, you know, her family and then his family and all of that. That was that was really really nice. I I uh, it was a good touch. And you know, this kind of film, I mean, it's fraught for like bad acting. Like I can just imagine more screen life films coming out, and it's like worse mm-hmm. than porn acting. I'm sure we're gonna get those things, but everybody here is uniformly just doing it really well. Like, yeah, yeah it was they were smart fantastic. to get a lot of character actors and honestly also smart to I mean, the the young cast they get are up and coming. So they probably are all trained. But still, it was smart to kind of limit that, I feel. It yeah. really just it made Storm Reed's character, I think, stronger by making her the focus uh, outside of her friend uh, who, I, who I cited earlier. I think her name was. Uh, Neary, Neary. I already closed the notes, but her friend, Mina. which even then, Mina, which even then, I kind of like that twist of the friend kind of going like, because she's there. It's after everything and like Unfiction, which is their like Netflix uh, True Doc series. Yes. And she's kind of, so all these things are throwing out theories and she's obviously, June's rightfully getting upset, but she's just kind of like, well, what if the shoe was on the other foot? And I'm like, both characters have a right to obviously be upset. Your friend said that, but at the same time, like, yeah, you would be doing the same thing when, right. you know, throwing these theories around. That kind of, like, throws it back on the audience without having to do it too much. Uh, to go with that, uh, I guess, what was it? Unfiction was the name of the show. They got me good because when it comes to the finale uh, and, you know, it turns out it is the father and, you, you you know, they're trying to escape from him abducting both of them. It cuts when the cops arrive to, like, 
real like real time footage. Well, not real time footage, yeah. but just like actual film footage. And I was just like why are you doing like i started getting angry i'm like how are you going to just mm-hmm. abandon the gimmick like this and then it slowly pans out and it's that episode i'm like you clever son of a bitch yeah i almost cl- i almost yelled that and clapped i'm like all right i, I will give it to you because you pulled me on a ride so, there because i so that's why i said that it, it this film had a couple tricks up its sleeve in in reinventing the format in some ways because you're right it breaks and you're like wait a minute there's no screen what is this and then and then i was like oh the woman's going to turn around. It's going to be an actress. It's going to be a show, which, mm. yeah, that was, that was fairly brilliant. But EF, you said that you've, you called the father, Justin, did you call, I called the father too. Uh, I did. After a while, uh, I kind of caught on to it. I want to say it was a little bit before that him revealing himself as the father over like yeah. the ring doorbell. I want to say it was like a scene or two before and I'm like, Oh, it probably is just the dad because my mind kept going back to it. And I'm like, they're showing that clip one too many times, even for like just Which emotional manipulate of her, like rewatching the clip and seeing the images with her dad oh, constantly yeah, yeah, going yeah, back yeah, yeah. to that. And I'm like, yeah. unless they're, it, it's, this film doesn't seem that emotionally manipulative. So I'm like, there's gotta be a reason. I thought, what if it's the dad? And and the only issue I had with that outside of it being standard, and I'm slowly getting away from this, but from my understanding was this wasn't just local news. This ended up being national news. Like everyone mm. saw this. Yeah. And I get that it's been like 12 years since the incident or so, or maybe even longer, but you're going to tell me that somebody back from when they were in Texas didn't recognize the mom on these newscasts and go, wait a minute, because she has like you hear those calls with like her HR department saying, hey, we understand why you have to leave. We hope you're good. Right. I, I'm willing to just let it go. But there was a part of me is like, you can tell me not one of them. I'm like, wait a minute. Wasn't she the one that, you know, oh, my God, what if like, you know, that, you know, father is still there. So that's the only spot that like as I was leaving and kind of thought of that, I'm like, would they? But I also have to give the credit of i mean there's such a time gap that maybe they wouldn't have put everything together or you know especially i mean we're just seeing not me along hasn't really changed much since then but maybe they wouldn't put two and two together or maybe they would have assumed that the guy was dead so instead of being incarcerated or still was so i'll let it i'd let it slide and i think on a rewatch i might there might be little like clues that can tip me off that okay you know somebody might have notified already because obviously we know with the the real estate broker or not real estate i'm sorry the lawyer who we think was in on it that's another clever ruse when it just turns out well no she was the one the domestic lawyer abuse lawyer who brought right. them over here but kept it obviously a secret from the daughter but that was the, the only thing that was really a pressing issue because i'm like you can tell me one person didn't notice this and go wait a minute ef how did you put together it was the father there was uh, suspicion that I wanted to be proven wrong on uh, somewhere along the way because at the very beginning of the movie you find out that the father's name is James and yeah. then later in the movie she contacts she finds this uh, coordinates uh, that lead to some place in Nevada and she finds the phone number for it and it's for like this outreach program this church and the guy that she speaks to is named Jimmy and mm. I, and there was a, oh, a little thing in the back of my he- that. head that went like you're right that went like, wait, James, Jimmy. Because at the same time, look, plausible deniability, so many people have the name James. You know, so many people right. go by Jimmy. It could just be right. a coincidence. But there was a little thing in the back of my head that said, like, 
maybe the same guy. Let's hope it's not. Let's hope Good it's point. not. I didn't even catch because that. Because EF is yeah. a dark <laughs> son of a bitch who wants things to be the worst for everybody. And the mom would have been more diabolical. The mom, I will dude, say, I, you know? I do wish they would have went with the mom. I'm not going to discredit the film because that's just me wanting it. But like, there was yeah. that part of me that was like, dude, they could go really dark with this and just make they it the could. mom. I don't know how they get themselves like into a happy ending. If they, I guess maybe you just don't. But I was maybe she just goes to Columbia and lives with Javi. That would have been my happy ending. Uh, um, yeah. And meets her yeah. son in person. But you know, I, uh, I, I think that's what's clever about this screenplay is that there's all those things that are introduced and you don't even think about it until it comes up potentially later and then you think back on that so what i'm what i'm more thinking about is how the best friend says oh my god your dog's eating your smartwatch and she's like i don't have a smartwatch and then it comes in later she's like oh my god the smartwatch and it's got all these special features on it or whatever and you just don't you don't think about that when they throw those things out so i hate to say it but for me um, I realized it was the dad because they kept honing in on the footage of them packing up and the Uber driver has like the cap and it's a white guy. And I'm thinking to myself, well, the only other white guy we know in the fucking movie mm. is the dad. <laughs> and so like I leaned over to Scooter and I'm like, it's the dad. The dad's alive. And then sure <laughs> enough, it, like, it, like it happened. And so I was like thinking to myself, well only white guy <laughs> so, i mean look uh, all of us white guys do look the same <laughs> he was like wait is that brad troy wait a minute uh, uh i don't know i Any, will say any, though anything to, else? to go off of like the stuff like the smartwatch what's really clever about that is in certain mystery movies that can just feel very forced like it usually would be like if it would have been the flip side and it was the dad had planted something like that, but it only works if they went to it. Then that's a yeah. problem because you have to have that pre like notion that they're going to do this. But in this film, why stuff like the smartwatch works is it's not it just happens to be there and a character thinks about it like it could have just been it was left there and it never comes back. It's yeah, it's mechanical and orchestrated from the screenplay, but getting to the finale or them saving, they could have done it in many other way. It just happened to be the smartwatch that saved her because she still had it. It's, well, they it also feel forced, and I like they, that. They also baked it in because one of his, one of her friends is like, "Hey, have you seen my smartwatch? This <laughs> is it." And there's like a little ad that says like camera, Wi-Fi, like all these little things you can do with it. And then, you know, first of all, she's putting it on and she takes forever to put that thing on. I'm like, put the fucking rest Because she's like struggling with the thing for like minutes while she's talking. I think she's talking to Javi or whatever. And I'm like, it does not take that long to put a fucking smartwatch on. But anyway. It does when you are stressed out, Jose. Well, yes. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make Scooter hide the next time I visit him. Like, oh, look, he was taken. And I'm going to give you a smartwatch and I'm going to see how long it take you to put it on in the this case does of the not take oh. very long to put on i'm holding up my um i'm holding up my little uh fitbit tracker thing you need to put it on now and i hope it somehow takes forever for whatever reason because you're on the spot ef has this. a comment and while he's doing it i'm gonna put it on oh Damn no it. i was gonna say about the smartwatch where it's I already think it on was, the first time it's mentioned is that guest at the party at the rager, he's like, oh, uh, I'm looking for my smartwatch or whatever. And then, like, halfway through the movie, uh, her uh, June's friend, Vina, says, like, you know your cat's eating this smartwatch over yeah, here? Yeah. And, and, and when she said that, in my head, I went, like, okay, I'm pretty sure the smartwatch is going to figure into the film somewhere along the way. It, it, at this point, it's, it's Chekhov's smartwatch. Mm-hmm. But yeah. <laughs> I didn't – that is not, like, a detriment to the movie. It's more like 
I got excited going, okay, how is this going to fit into the film? Like, how is this going to play out later? So yeah. there's this, this excitement going, okay, somewhere along the way, that smartwatch is going to come into play. And I'm a poet and didn't know it. I just realized that right now. But anyway, <laughs> um, so she later, then like when she says to, um, I forget how it comes down, but basically she's like, oh, when she's talking to Javi, she's like, oh, the smartwatch. And I was like, oh, cool. The smartwatch is coming into yeah. play. So it's one of those things where like I predicted it was going to be used later, but I was excited about, I didn't know how, and I was excited about the possibility. So that's, I, to me, that's a good thing from the movie. It's not like, I think some people would consider that a, a cinema sin or whatever the yeah. fuck those fucking ass. Yeah, are. I don't like those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and it's I like, don't. Is that what it, we're calling it? Cinema sin? That's an actual YouTube That's page, a YouTube dude. channel. Which that's it, a, This guy oh. makes millions of dollars going like, ah, that's a cinema sin. That's, that's a, cinema a sin. sin. That's a sin. Would this person do this? That's a cinema sin. And, he, and it's just like, it's just the, 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 the worst kind of like, like pointing out little little flaws or whatever and being like, well, no movies. It, it, yeah. I don't know. It's just, don't get me started, sir. Yeah. You so did that's this the to new, me. That's your, it's your. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's well, the and, new name for trope, right? Yeah. Actually, yeah, 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 what, trope, same thing. What I yeah. hate about CinemaSins, it's not even so much the content because if you take it as tongue in cheek, maybe it's fine. It's not for me. Yeah. But it's you have people that either, A, do not watch the movie but still criticize it, which you, you you don't have an opinion. Then you don't, you're just, you might say, Oh, that's a plot hole. I'm like, well, yeah, cause the guy's not showing you the full fucking movie. Maybe it's a plot hole. If he, you know, cleverly edited out the actual explanation of the plot, you know, right. Right. But I'm always it, wary. Where it, the it just format, I'm always wary where the format is. In fact, that like, like pointing out mistakes or pointing out tropes. I don't even like the word trope anymore. Whatever. No, neither do I. So <laughs> pointing that stuff out because, because I always think to myself, well, that's their lens. So no matter what, they're going to see Avatar, they're going to see Citizen Kane, and they're going to have that lens of, mm -hmm. well, where are the cinema sins? And even if there mm -hmm. isn't one, they're going to force it. So yeah. I always kind of stay away from that shit. But um, I will say this, though. There is a cinema sin in here. And that's <laughs> Man, I'm done with you. <laughs> <laughs> He's out of here. But that sin being... Um, and this is where my, uh, where Scott and I and our audience erupted into the the back talk was the mother knocks the guy out but doesn't take the gun and oh. then when they're freeing when she's freeing Storm Reed they sit there and they talk about how we got to get out of here because we don't bitch get your ass out of the fucking mm. house and run away but then obviously they stay there long enough for him to not only wake up but then trap them at the front door so it was at the door of the room mm. it was like okay that's where we were all like get the fuck out get mm. the fuck out stop talking you know so yeah. for situations like that in this one it was a little bit too egregious and very kind of forced but i nine times out of ten try to be somewhat understanding just to go back to the I've seen people when they are in a very stressful situation. I've done it too, where you do stupid things. And if you're and very you stressed, you freeze yeah. or you just don't do the smart thing. So I always try to go, all right, I put myself in their shoes. I will say though, in this movie, that was probably the only time because like all the checkoff stuff, like you said, I actually kind of like that because I thought it was implemented well. That might be the only time a little bit just because, but that was more just like, all right, one extra twist that, oh, wait, no, they're not out. But, you know. It's just a small thing, though. Yeah. That one didn't bother me as much. I did like the touch of uh, when the father like bites it, basically, mm -hmm. that you just see the cursor moving. 
and it's like he's <laughs> he's fallen on the the keyboard. I I did kind of like that. I was like, that's dead. that's why I wished I watched it at home because then I would have thought, shit, did Shatter just jump up on the keyboard? Because there is every now and then if I when I'm at work because uh, for those who don't I work from home. So if the next one of these screen life has somebody working on Slack, that will be my Jose moment of wait, I'm used to this all the time. But I'll go back and every one time it did hit to the one channel where I went to use the restroom, so the cat jumped up on the keyboard and it just posted. A, it's like somehow put in like a bunch of nonsense yeah, and I was like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. like dude are you okay yeah i'm like nah just the, the cat you know red are you having a stroke nah i was <laughs> shadow on my keyboard um any anything else about the again it's just it's so clever how it's just presented and it jumps into you know f- footage via you know whatever like facetime and all of that i i just think the whole the whole movie was just really really well done and it it just goes to show that this that screen life has so much potential in the way that you can tell a story um and it's evolved even just from profile and searching if i'm going to use those as exemplars but uh any other comments i'm sorry go ahead justin oh yeah i was just gonna say uh yeah, I would just second that. Um, I like the fact that this is uh, like kind of a reflection of our time. Like I had mentioned, I think maybe Glass Onion when we were talking about it being set during COVID. I do like it sometimes when a film is specifically set in a time. So if somebody watches this 10, 20, 30 years from now, it's going to very much feel like 2023. I kind of like that. Sometimes it's nice to have those. And for this one too, just the way that sometimes the camera slowly panned around with the music, it's, it's a very small thing, but I kind of noticed, I'm like, that's a really clever way and very creepy way of building tension and not making you feel like you're just staring at a screen and it still replicates the idea that it's somebody kind of scanning their screen it's a small little touch but i actually thought that was really well done yeah i think there's a lot of uh there's a lot of stuff that could be done with this whole screen life uh format that i never even thought of like oh wow you could bring uh build suspense with this and one is late late in the film when it's revealed you're watching June's uh, screen, but then at a certain point, it starts to zoom back slowly, and you realize that you're watching someone else's uh, record screen recording of June's screen. And I remember even going like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like that's someone yeah. else. Someone She's is watching June, so it's not just <laughs> right. us. It's the bad guy is watching June this whole time. So there's stuff like that, and then later when the father shows up, and you know, you have decades of movies where people are like struggling to fight over like a weapon, a gun, or a knife. Mm, you know, they're reaching yeah. for the knife, they're reaching for the gun. And for me, this was the first time where like you're watching it on the screen instead of like a gun or a knife, they're reaching for trying to click on either accept or decline so on a friend's awesome. phone call. And it was like, oh my God. I'm like, click on accept. Like it really worked just as much as like wanting the hero to grab the gun or the knife to be able to get one up on the bad guy, you know? And yeah. I was like, great. That's new to me. And Our I really audience enjoyed- freaked the fuck out yeah, when, that- when they hit decline. Everybody was like, ah! no, yeah, 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 that was no, no, really no, no, so did I. <laughs> And it was so good because and honestly, that's such a good scene that I actually forgot the only other thing. And I guess it's a cinema sin. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but so the whole oh, setup to that. 
the whole setup to that is the police and everyone knows that like somebody's coming after her because she found a dead body and there was just minutes before. So they had police stationed at her house. So they agree, yes, you can go to your friend's house. I believe that part, but I'm like, you're gonna tell me that even though she was about out the door, I get that she came back in. You're gonna tell me the police didn't wait until she actually left and followed her to her friend's house. Again, it doesn't really matter because at the end result, we got, you know, that great scene. And the only other thing that it wouldn't have worked if you didn't do that, because if you have the dad take the police officers out, like you have to do that stealthily. So we don't notice it. So I'm glad they didn't do that. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because it gave us a great scene. But there was that small part of me was like, maybe I'm wrong. But I feel like if you're assigned to, to watch someone in that situation, even if you let them go somewhere else, you probably have to follow them there. But yeah. I could be wrong. Maybe you don't. <laughs> that is actually part of the uh, – no, I agree with you. That is part of the uh, – what I said earlier uh, at the very beginning of this, I, I said um, like it becomes standard in the last 20 mm -hmm. minutes. And that is to me part of the standard format where it's like, oh, okay, this is the section of the movie where you just accept it because it's a yeah. movie. Where you exactly. accept like these lapses in logic. And at that point, so much of the film worked on all cylinders for me that I was like, okay. I mean, I wish – you had continued to be inventive and surprised me past this point, but I'll accept it because everything else works so well. Okay, this is the movie part, the most movie part of the yeah. rest of this movie. It's like, okay, of course, the cops aren't going to stick around. Or, of course, the mom's going to be having a conversation with the daughter. It's like, you know, I'll accept it. But at yeah. the same time, it would have been nice if they had just taken that, if they continued with taking the extra step. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to say was, uh, like Justin, I also did find myself getting emotional a couple of times during this movie. And part, most of it was with Javi, the stuff with Javi, the stuff with the son, like that final shot where you see him with the son. I did go like, Oh man, like yeah. I, I actually teared up over that. And, and I actually got a little like teary during that scene when like, it's revealed that, you know, Oh no, no. The, the um, grace is trying to get June away from this horrible relationship with uh, James, yeah. the husband. Mm -hmm. And you see like this old school, 2008 era, Google and and YouTube. Uh, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that they mm -hmm. they took the effort to like make it look like this is what YouTube looked like in in two thousand eight. This is what Google. This is what Gmail looked like in two thousand eight. Yeah. And there's this slow reveal. This letter. This email from like someone saying, "Okay, this is what you have to do to change your identity. You have to basically cut yourself off from everything. You have to." close all your accounts you have to do all this stuff i will send you links to help you as far as like getting your new life or uh sorted out and then like it gets to the bottom and it turns out to be heather the lawyer and like there was a bit like of like emotion for me because like oh man like she was there from the beginning and amy yeah. landecker's character and the fact that like how it ends up for her character were like she died protecting them you know yeah. it's like and i was like man what a fucking soldier man yeah. It also made the the scene where she had to quote unquote be a nanny and just check in on Storm in the beginning. That going and reflecting back on that scene, I'm like, okay, now that seems just very sweet in hindsight, yes, considering yes. what we know like eventually. And I'm like, all right, that's because when it first happens in the opening of the film, I was fine with it, but I was just like, oh, okay, it's just the neighbor, whatever. But now I'm like, oh, okay, there was a really clever but very sweet point to that and yeah, yeah. I, I liked everything like that kind of caught me off guard with with that i almost 
started to believe it might have just been her when they started Mm -hmm. dropping those things because i'm like okay i could see it being that maybe maybe my thing i didn't even think about the driver jose i was just thinking it was just some dude like i didn't think because i guess it was because we already had the actress so i had figured well that's just going to be some guy that's also in on it and they're maybe going to interview him and he's just some you know maybe ex-con or something that got you know swindled into this so that they got me on that one i wondered why there were all these like close-ups on her necklace the lawyer's necklace and then it pays off at the end when you see it on the on the floor right it is Um, unfortunately like scarlett johansson's shoes in jojo rabbit (laughs) yes exactly or uh the little child in the red coat in don't look now yes um Mm. yeah so uh was that the little child or am I yeah, thinking of Schindler's coat, List? It, it, no, no, no. It's, in, it's in Don't Look Now, too. But it's also in Schindler's List as well, the red jacket. Something has a red jacket or something in Don't Look Now. Anyway, whatever. Um, no, I, yeah, I think it's the the killer, doesn't she wear the red jacket? And told me yes, it's yellow. that's it. No, almost, it's, yeah, it's red in Don't Look no, Now. No, I think it's red, and then it's the little girl in Schindler's List. I'm sorry. Yeah. Anyway. But, uh, yeah, no, I just, like I said, there's... There's an artistry to this movie that just, it, 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 again, screen life escapes all of the trappings of found footage, and I'm just excited to see the whatever they come up with next, you know? Yeah, because you don't have to like worry on just one or a couple of cameras. You can usually literally use every single device. That's why I think this actually would work for a Cloverfield film. I, I kind of feel like that the sequel shouldn't just be a straightforward movie at this point if it's going back to the monster. I, I think it should go screen life. I think that could work. I think it would definitely work. Uh, any further comments, discussions um, before we run oh, the final? I, so they, you know, they say you're only as old as you feel. And I felt very young up until I watched this movie. <laughs> uh, Sorry. But, that but was not specifically, our intent. Specifically, it was the moments. I mean, there was a lot of it, but it was specifically the moments where, like, it's revealed that both June's mom, uh, Grace, and um, the boyfriend, Kevin, based on what I picked up on the screen, they're both 43 years old. That's what yeah. this said. But I'm looking at them, and I'm like, they're not 43. <laughs> and it's just like, and, and I looked it up afterwards, and they're like, they're in their 50s, you know? So it's like they look good for their 50s, but my thing is like, yeah, but they still look kind of aged. And it's like, I, I mean, I'm 41. And it's just like, so I'm old. <laughs> it was just this thing like, and I was like, you know what? I feel twice my age now, thanks to these young, snot-nosed, whippersnapper directors who probably have decades of that ahead of them. And they looked at old, you know, white-haired, uh, shriveled Ken Leung and uh. Nia Long, who nowadays should be called Nia Thick, but but a good kind of thick, good kind of thick, the proper thickness. I'm no nothing wrong with that. And nope. they're like, yeah, they look like old people because they're in their forties. And I'm thinking, you know what? I don't. I forget the name of these directors. Fuck the both of you, whose names I can't remember <laughs> because of my age-appropriate dementia, and because uh, I'm an old man. But that's really the only other thing I could pick up right now. Thank you for indulging me. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, they were like, we saw Nia Long and like Boys in the Hood, so she must be old, right? Yeah, she must right, be old. Exactly. That was like the nineties. I mean, they did the they, they they did the Charleston back then when they danced and then they shot each other. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel old. Um. The other thing I want to say is like this movie also proves I get it. I understand why mm. Nia Long was so overprotective. She came from an abusive situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she wants her daughter to be no part of that, 
But the downside to that is that it obviously, based on June's behavior, June is a complete stranger to the idea of belt time. And I think a little belt time is good. Yeah. <laughs> just, yes. I'm, just, I'm just being silly right now. The alcohol is catching up to me, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, but it is damned if you do, damned if you don't, though, in that situation. I really feel for her because, like, no matter what yeah. you do, she's going to feel wrong and, like, she's still going to be a teenager. But, man, like, I mean, I'm at that age now where I'm, like, I'm sympathizing more with the mother than the kid. But, like, I'm, like, maybe stop being a b- brat. But I'm, like, yeah, but I was also that way probably when I was 18, so I can't. In all seriousness, like, I do like how the movie did make it. They presented uh, June as being very sullen and stuff, but like it makes total sense. It mm-hmm. makes yeah. total absolute sense when you know the history. And then also when you understand, Hey, maybe the mom shouldn't have booked a getaway trip with her new boyfriend on father's day, which is clearly a very raw day for her daughter. You know? Yeah. Like, and, that, and, yeah. It that makes perfect and her sense. History. Well, but that and her history with men, it makes mm-hmm. you wonder, I mean, we probably would not have caught on to the fact that, you know, Ken Lung's character was, in fact, a con man because he's also right. very, very sweet and very nice. He's not mm-hmm. abusive, but it's it's weird that, yeah, one, she scheduled something on Father's Day, knowing full well her daughter's going to, like, eat, like, lose her shit over it. Um, but also just that she didn't catch on to some weirdness given right. her domestic, you know, background or whatever. But, Yeah. Up your man game, Grace. Come on. Right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Get a hobby, Grace. <laughs> For real. Or, or, I don't know. Don't people, don't you like Google who you're dating nowadays and like image search? Like she could have easily just image search and been like, oh, you're a criminal. Gotta go. You know? Yeah, because I don't think that was being, well, he was using a fake name. But still, I feel like. But I'm if kind you image search, it probably would yeah. have popped up, right? Anyway. It is what it is. We're not going to rewrite the movie. But, uh, all right, fi- I guess final verdicts? EF. Guest. Oh, final verdict I'm missing. Hard watch. Hard watch. Hard watch. Right. Excellent. I am also in the extra hard watch camp. And you know what? I think I'll go with the hard watch as well. I was just a regular watch earlier, but the more I think about some of the issues I had, they're minor, or, you know, it could just be... I mean, to be honest with you, I would have complained about that uh, real-time editing, but that's a real thing. So some of my issues just might be my technological uh, illiteracy now that I'm getting to a spot where even I'm not familiar with everything. So I, it was very engaging and was much more emotional than I was expecting, so hard watch. Excellent, excellent. Uh, so EF Contentment, uh, we have your movie reviews on Instagram. We have uh, the blog. But how else can our listeners dive into all that is exiled from contentment? I mean, it's pretty much just that. The uh, You could find me at EF Contentment on Instagram or on Twitter, which is just links to the Instagram, or on Facebook. Uh, the uh, Just find me there. There's links to the uh, blog and podcast there somewhere. Um, uh, actually, I want to correct something I said very at the very beginning. I mentioned Kathy Horlick-Wilson, the girl who basically inspired me to do a blog, doesn't yeah. have a blog anymore. She still does, but it's very infrequent. She's raising a kid now and everything, so I just want to give her a shout-out. So Kathy Horlick-Wilson, Cat's uh, blog. Um, I think she's C-A-H-C-A-T on Instagram. She just you know, post pictures of uh, being married, uh, being a married mother. So I just wanted to give a shout out to her. And she'll have a link for her blog on her site or? 
She should. She should. Like probably okay. like on her bio, there should be like for the latest. Uh, but I think she posted like her most recent. Blo- it was just like her list of movies that she watched last year and the year before awesome. that. That's Sweet. And uh, for us, uh, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say that uh, you can find us at or you can contact us if you have any views about this or if you felt like you had any comments about missing or screen life. You can email us at watchskipplus. Spell out all of the words, no punctuation at gmail.com. And additionally, you can find us on our uh, home website at anchor.fm backslash watch hyphen skip. There is also a message me button, which apparently has caused some hubbub in some ways. Uh, Sometimes it asks you to log in. Sometimes it doesn't. But the other thing you can do is, since uh, we're all mm iPhone-y or (laughs) Android-y, is you can record a video clip and you can simply just send it to us in our DMs because we do have Instagram and Twitter presence. And with that, I actually want to play. We did get uh, some voice uh, feedback in some ways, voicemail feedback. Kevin, a part of the Raiders of the podcast, left us a voice message. And here it is. Hello, I tried to send a voice message over Anchor. I don't think it worked. And then asked me to sign up. I tried to do that. I think it's gone. It's gone into the cloud. It's gone into the ether. It's gone wherever these things disappear to. I caught up on the Pale Blue Eye episode. I really enjoyed it. And I was messaging to let you guys know that. I like both of your chats. You asked for specific feedback on the movie news. And I just wanted to say that I enjoyed your take on things, but I am always wary of getting news for something that's still very much uh, in pre-production, maybe even pre-pre-production, because we've been uh, told we're getting a Gladiator sequel for many years now. I will watch anything with Paul Mescal in it, and I highly, 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 highly recommend After Sun. I hope this message reaches you okay. Keep up the good work. Uh, see ya. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kevin, for that voicemail. Uh, we absolutely love the feedback. And if you have not heard Raiders of the Podcast, it's, it's, it's fantastic. I know that there's always a weird little Google thing. Like if you search Raiders of the Podcast, you'll end up getting the other another podcast called Raiders of the Lost Podcast. But please search specifically Raiders of the Podcast. Kevin is one of three hosts on that show that they talk about genre films, it's weekly reviews, it's uh, anecdotes. I love those guys kevin craig and uh now i'm drawing a blank on the third name but uh everybody please check that out kevin thank you so much again for that uh feedback we we love that and and hopefully our listeners will send us uh more like i said uh if the anchor button doesn't work just record an audio clip and send it to us and uh oh i always seem to forget this but obviously if you if you like ef contentment um, you know, or, or, you've never, or, or you've never heard EF Contentment, please check them out. Also, The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. We have the Jacked Up uh, podcast. We have Not a Bomb. Uh, Married with Clickers is another um, podcast. Uh, VHS Files. Justin, do you have any other uh, recommendations? The Feminine Critique podcast and Cult of Muscle are another two really good ones. Absolutely. Oh, and, and Silver and Gold. I know. 
Dr. Zom does episodes infrequently, but there's a great back catalog of that's also some twisted fucking shit that I love. So if you like the contentments, uh, humor, <laughs> you're going to get some of that with Zom as well. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, Justin. Yes. Uh, we hope that you always listen. You never skip and that you remember that you are the plus. Decided this week not to be playful after last week's debacle of me just losing it. I was trying to think of a way to be clever. I'm like, no, last week you fucked up. Mm, podcast sin. Podcast sin. Well, I don't know. It's, we'll see. I, I kept it in. I think people might like it, actually. I almost made All it. All right. 